Filmed live in front of a live studio audience, it's the Game of the Year special edition of the Dicebreaker Podcast with your host, Matt Jarvis! What? Wills, we're not live this time. No, I know, but that's that's what we say. <laughs> I mean, we're live right now. I mean, we're live right now. We are yeah. pre-recording this because obviously when this goes out, it will be the Christmas break. Yeah. Um, mm. So Merry Christmas, one and yeah, all. Yeah, Happy Holidays. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what, whatever you celebrate, have yeah, a lovely time. It. <laughs> yeah. uh, I suppose, studio audience, if my cat counts, yes, then <laughs> it's it's a live audience. Yeah. Yes, uh, <laughs> she will cheer from the sidelines or also snore. Uh, hello, <laughs> it's it's the Dicebreaker podcast. It We're is. not here right now. Please leave a message, and we'll leave you this. <laughs> special podcast where we're just going to chat about some of the games we played this year by now right now this second there should be a video on the dicebreaker youtube channel of our favorite games of 2021 uh, and potentially those articles might also be up on the website uh, depending on timings if not they'll be there very soon <laughs> but of course there are a lot of games and there are only so many uh, games we can talk about in the space of a list or a couple of articles. So we're here to just kind of chat about what we've played this year, some of the highlights, some of the lowlights potentially, uh, but it's a little bit more informal than our list. It's a little bit more informal than the articles we put up. So if you want to go and read those, go and read those. But let's just chat about what we've played this year. I am, as ever, joined by the wonderful Dicebreaker team. Liv Kennedy, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, I'm Travis. Uh, Alex Meehan, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Uh, it's great. Just imagine I'm uh kick kick back kicking back a uh, cup of mulled wine mm-hmm. big fan of the christmas tree in the background man <laughs> thank you mm, yeah. um it's got a decoration on it that was made by my friend mm. instead of a star on the top of the tree that's very it's sweet. a uh it's a christmas zagreus he said <laughs> uh i was hoping it would just be you just like the star you are obviously yeah. well <laughs> He is a star. A shining but, star. Um, funnily enough, my mum has an angel she puts on the tree that she's named after me. Aww. And apparently the characteristics of this angel are a drunken <laughs> lout who uh, uh, apparently it always gets lost in the box and is uh, generally mischievous. So I'm Lots glad that... Lots of yeah, I know. I was like, <laughs> thanks for naming her after me, mum. She's like, well, it's not Thank actually you. <laughs> Uh, of course, as well, rounding out uh, our cast this week. Uh, I am also here. Hello. <laughs> yes. Shall uh, we uh, get stuck into it? Yeah. Because uh, it's, it's a slightly shorter podcast than usual because we're quite busy preparing end of the year content right now, including our game of the year list. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be a slightly shorter podcast, but we hope that it will just give you kind of a, a window into what we've played this year and what stood out. So does anyone want to throw their... Uh, or for a game into well, into the discussion. I will say, uh, as is becoming my sort of uh, shtick here on the Dicebreak team, I'm the person who puts an RPG in the Game of the Years list. Uh, <laughs> and for this one, uh, as you will see from the video, if you've already watched it, I selected Heart by Grant Howitt um, and uh, Rowan Rook and Uh It is a very, very good RPG, which has deservedly gotten a lot of praise this year. Um, but to highlight a much more indie offering, um, which went live as part of Zine Quest, but arrived this year, um, was uh, Lay on Hands, which is a very, very, very cool post-apocalyptic like preacher solo RPG in which you're playing this sort of like healing figure uh, who is like wandering the wastes, um, which is from, I believe, a brand new designer. 
which is very cool as well. Um, but the the visuals are absolutely stunning. It's like a very, very cool setting. And also, it uses uh, a, a coin-spinning dexterity mechanic <laughs> to oh, do its cool. conflict resolution. Um, so the way it works is... I've got it in the other room. I should have brought it down. But the, the way it works is um, you have like this little print out um almost like a beyblade arena uh which you like you know you fold up the little 2d walls into like make it into a little free tray and then you spin a coin and you've got until that coin stops spinning to sort of fill out almost like a captain sonar style like you know follow the line kind of track to get to your result um but when that coin falls, like if you didn't get there, then you failed. Or if you did, then, you know, that's your result. But also the coin will fall onto an oracle because it's like a grid of prompts of like tarot style uh, things to think about when you're doing your prompts. So it's like it's a very robust mechanic, despite it seeming very gimmicky. Um, and it's an absolutely gorgeous book. It's got like this style where the uh, the designer who is also the graphic designer for it, uh, has like done pinprick uh like art into like foam so if you met almost like polystyrene uh not polystyrene so what's it called um is it polystyrene what's the white stuff that you pack boxes with yeah, that's polystyrene. <laughs> yeah polystyrene um he's like pinpricked into it to make like a sort of you know almost like dot printed comic book style art book um but then use that as a stamp to make this like black and white imagery where the detail is the white dots where the paint doesn't sit because it's been printed in. If that makes sense. It's a very like, I've not really seen much like it in the RPG space. It looks absolutely fantastic. Apparently it was very time consuming to do, but also it looks great. Um, but yeah, I wanted to give that a little shout out because I think that was a, it was a close contender. It was, um, it was one of the sort of like better indie offerings this year that I've played. Um, but in general, <laughs> I like you know when you ever get to the end of the year and you're just like, "Whoa, what have I played this year?" <laughs> oh yeah, especially uh, this yeah, year. Right <laughs> yeah, this this year has been a little bit tricky. Um, and also, I, I didn't make it to Essen with you lot, so I missed out on some of the mm. tasty board mm-hmm. offerings. But, mm. but yeah, um, but that's one that I wanted to bring to the table. I'll, I'll let's cycle this around, Matt. I'll hand over to one of the other squad. Yeah, uh, anyone anyone got something they want to throw forwards? Just, just giving it a, a little shout out. Uh, well, um, as people will see from uh, the video that's definitely out now, <laughs> uh, my game of the year was Lost Ruins of Arnak, which I uh, throw my hands up, technically came out last year. It uh, was pretty late in the year. It was though. pretty, pretty close. late, yeah. December 20th. I, I mean, come on. Yeah. That's yeah. as close as you get, really. That's <laughs> basically the end of the year. They're already pretending um, Jesus is alive at that point, you know? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not even early enough in December to really get it as a Christmas gift, to that... be honest. Like, so it's a, it's a bit of an odd release date. Uh, but I'm counting it as 2021. And if anyone's got a problem with that, let us know in the comments. Meet me yeah. in the yeah. Breaker car park if you want an asshole. <laughs> I won't be there. Um, yeah, uh, okay. So the reason I picked this game, uh, obviously you can watch the video for a more sort of structured uh, essay-like perspective on why this game is my favourite game of the year. Or you can even read the article that may or may not be up. Um, but uh, in a more casual approach 
Um, this game just ticks so many boxes of things that I like about board games that it's almost impossible for me not to have picked it as like my game of the year. I mean, I didn't get to play a lot of the really big releases this year myself. So I played Oath once and it was great. I won. So you know, <laughs> yeah. always, uh, you're the forever always... ruler of that particular empire. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and knowing us, we're probably never going to go back to it. So I am <laughs> the official ruler of that realm. And I, I do love the ideas and the design. And obviously, Cole Verley, anything that man creates is pretty great. So, uh, and I didn't get to play Descent, which is kind of the other really, I'd say, big release of this year. Uh, although we've got about a million copies now. So uh, the only thing that's really holding you back is just time and someone else to play with, <laughs> which is basically the kind of theme of this year. Yeah. <laughs> of uh, half of it being in, pan in a pandemic, or, well, technically all of it, but half of it being locked down, and then the other half just struggling to, to kind of find time and uh, people to play with. But uh, somehow I managed to find opportunities to play Lost Ruins Varnak, which um, is a debut title from a husband and wife duo, which is adorable. Uh, and I actually met um, uh, Elwyn at SN, <laughs> and I was like, your game slaps. And they were like, oh, is that, thanks. It's <laughs> that word for word, what you said. Yeah, basically. I mean, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, to him, I was just some weird, random woman who come up to you know them and, and was was talking about their game. Um, but um, essentially, what it is, it's it's what I like to call, and Matt Jarvis is going to die immediately as I say that. Uh, it's what I like to call a deck building hybrid, <laughs> which is now my new attempt to introduce uh, a new genre into. The world of board games i'm determined that i'm gonna end up with my own dictionary um but this is what i describe as like a game that has deck building elements it's maybe its main description is deck building but it's a lot more than that so when you think of a standard deck building game you think of something like dominion which is like your box yeah your, your baby's first deck building game yeah suck at dominion nerds <laughs> i like dominion i defend dominion but it is very much just mm. deck building like that's all it is whereas lost ruins of arnak combines deck building with resource management and basically efficiency 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 which usually would turn me well off <laughs> because as someone who self-confessed finds Euro games scary and uh, I suck at them, uh, Lost Runes of Arnak just manages to overcome that hurdle, um, where the, the premise of the game is you're exploring this mysterious island um, and you're sort of searching for, you're archaeologists, you're searching for secrets and treasures and all those sort of things. Uh, I will say the artwork for the game is incredible. Like... Um, I love the front cover of it so much. Like the way that that man is drawn is just like, I'm in love with this man. Like this man is a wonderful, uh, and the he's got like uh, other archeologists there. And it just really evokes like this feeling of 
Wow, poor um, of rockologists. <laughs> well, you know. A footnote uh, in this man's life story. <laughs> um, it, it manages to take what is a game that's kind of very, it's not dry in any way, but like the, it has elements of, okay, I hope you like planning ahead and organization, but it, it creates such an evocative image that you still get swept up in the, Oh, I'm I'm going on an adventure. Like I'm I'm fighting these these enormous creatures. I'm finding all these incredible discoveries. Uh, but at the heart of the game, it's very much. Uh, and I say this in my my you know video, like my game of the year pick. It is just a game about exploration in every single element. Like the theme is about exploration, but also the game itself. Every time you play this game, you're discovering something new about it. And, like, it, it's incredibly deep mechanics and its random elements basically allow this to, to happen. So the first time you play it, you know, if you're me, you're an idiot and you don't really know what you're doing. And you're kind of like, well, I think I, I, think I know what happened there, but I don't quite understand. But then every time you play it afterwards, you're like, oh, like, this is a viable option for me to to take with winning this game. But because of the random elements in it, it's never there's never one set way of winning every time. It will always be different. Because I don't like games, Euro games, where once you've optimized the strategy pretty much, that's it. Like, and some people love that because they hate random elements. And I'm like, do you just play a game like a few times and then never play it again because you basically mastered it? Mm. Whereas Lost Ruins of Arlac is like you're never going to do that because of the the random elements. So you have a hand of cards that you use to do various actions. You know you travel to different dig sites and you unearth these idols that get you points. But in order to get them, you have to fight these fearsome guardians. But you do that providing uh, resources, uh, uh, or you could go down this research track where you have to pay certain resources to get further and further up it. And the higher you get up it, the better rewards you get. Or you require these tools and artifacts that give you points as well because you get points from your deck. So the main aim is to get as many points as possible, but the way you do that is whatever way you kind of want to. But it's very much a game that teaches you trying to do a bit of everything is going to get you absolutely nowhere. Mm. Like you have to focus on one or two pathways in order to really score. And like I played this game multiple times and I have never seen anyone make it all the way to the top of that research track, for example. Mm. Like and I've I've only seen it a few times people make it all the way to the furthest dig site and get the best rewards from that because they don't quite know how to do it yet. But then once they've played enough, then they know how to do it. But then that doesn't necessarily mean it's the end of playing the game you don't bother with it because you've mastered it you still haven't because there's always those random elements to keep things fresh so it's just one of those fascinating games that i've grown to love over this year and i realized i love games like this where they're just puzzles that you're like picking apart and every time you play it the the better you can kind of put those pieces together and Mm -hmm really feel rewarded because you feel really satisfied when you get a great score um and then it also added the expansion this year expedition leaders uh which is really good (laughs) and it adds so much content to the game it's incredible like 
you get so many of these expansions that oh there's a few more cards and here's some some resources or here's some extra scenarios or something this like fundamentally changes how the game works like it it adds these playable characters mm. um who add who have their own unique abilities each one of them and these abilities almost turn the game into an asymmetric experience where depending on which character you play you'll be approaching things entirely differently so like i played as this woman who had loads of who kind of comboed off getting resources and gaining more money from from doing that and then my friend was playing as this person who had like a hawk that they could use to scout out ahead uh, and every time they move their hawk they get better rewards if they bring them back so it's like two very different approaches to the game but then of course because of the way that our characters work we went for kind of different things so I, I went for pathways that required more resources because I was like, oh, I can get resources a lot easier than everyone else. I didn't bother with the exploration as much because it didn't benefit me so much. Uh, it also adds like a completely new um, mode to the game, which the game moves with the staff that, that moves across each round. And then this mode changes the way that that staff works with how some of the cards are drawn. Um, it also adds a completely new research track as well that can be flipped either side. Uh, the fact that they included so much content in just an optional expansion is fantastic. <laughs> so, is the is the expansion to Ruins of Arnak your follow mm. your sort of you know um, not follow up? What's the word? Uh, Runner up game of the year to Little Ruins of Arnak. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, to me, like um, the game works without it. But I honestly think it's a, I think it's a better game with the expansion, mm. <laughs> like, because it just improves of what, because you know me, I love it, asymmetric elements. Uh, to me, it just improves, like, the whole joy of Arnak is seeing which paths people take and how those are different paths. Uh, and this just, this expansion just pushes you even more in that direction of taking the different paths. Uh, and I'm just really, I believe there is more content scheduled to come out for the game next year. And I'm just really excited to see what they put out. That'll be my game of the year for 2022. But uh, it really is just that good. And I'm so glad that people were talking about it and I was seeing it pop up. It's definitely um, a popular game of this year. Like when we were at Essen, uh, check um Oh my gosh! Check games edition. Yeah. yeah, check games edition were there, and they were selling copies along with the expansion. And everywhere you looked in Essen, I just saw a copy of Lost Ruins of Arnak just popping up. It was like, "Where's Wally?" Like, <laughs> um, it just—I think it's just a really hot release this year. And sometimes mm. those kind of releases can be like, "Eh, like it, it's the done thing. It's by this designer. It's by this creator. Whatever." But like this is a debut title from this this like these two designers. It's got none of that kind of clout. Sure, it's from Czech Games Edition, like, and their games are often popular. But this isn't like code names. It's it's a big chunky, you know, thing that takes forever to set up. <laughs> but it, I think it just word of mouth has just spread so much, and that's kind of like how I found out about it. And I'm so glad because it slaps so much. Mm -hmm. and I still want to play it all the time. Mm -hmm. 
and I'm excited to see what else comes out for it. Um, other shout outs that don't really count for this year, but I'm just going to say anyway. Um, Quacks of Wedlinburg, uh, I discovered this year. Not literally discovered, I played it for the first mm. time this year. Oh my god, that game is so good. Mm. Like, I'm, I bow down to you, uh, Lolis, um, <laughs> a previous member of Dicebreaker. Uh, I was just saying, I'm Liv. Like, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh. She doesn't even go here. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like they, you know, they hype that this game up a lot, mm. uh, and I was kind of like, oh, is it going to be that good? And oh, it's so good. Like it's just one of those games that I would happily play over and over again. It's just really great. Um, so yeah, love that. I think I really also got into Terraforming Mars this year, which slaps. Um, what else have I played this year? Uh, Avatar RPG, which technically comes out next year. Uh, mm. But that Quick game is... Out. Yeah! Quick start, yeah. Um, that RPG is so good, and it just understands the source material incredibly well, and it's just a lot of fun to play. And honestly, it might have created one of the best campaigns I've ever been a part of like ever <laughs> um some of those role-playing experiences and like genuinely emotional experiences like i've never been able to cry during an rpg before but like one of the sessions <laughs> actually did that to me like um i think it's just the power of the ip and that the fact that the the game understands it so well um i think that's everything really yeah. um Big, big thumbs down to Critical Roles. Um, God, uh, uh, Ukatoa, uh, which was such a yeah. letdown. <laughs> that is oh, a shame. That, yeah, sad no, times. Yeah. Um, I can't really uh, say that I was expecting anything more from it, to be honest. <laughs> well, I was. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it looked good. And it, it, once again, like I said, it doesn't feel like a game that was half-heartedly made or rushed out it just feels like a game that fundamentally doesn't work and whoever designed it i'm just like like why did you why didn't you make something more accessible and simple why did you have to make this like why didn't you make this game fun yeah. <laughs> well, live was there. <laughs> live witnessed it I played it yeah no it's not great <laughs> yeah, it's not great well just like the majority of the evening was spent arguing over the rules, just kind of mm. like, no, it must mean this, no, it must mean that. No, Those are the worst. Those are the absolute yeah. worst. Yeah. Well, Liv, yeah. I mean, yeah, Liv. yeah, let's throw over to you then. What was your... All right. I mean, me and spent most of that talking about her game of the year, but let us know your runner-ups. <laughs> That's kind of the... This is also the point of this podcast. Like, it's a more casual discussion about our favourite games of this year, which mm. I talked mm. about. Liv, okay. tell us. Run, run, run us up. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, uh, Matt, you feel free to jump in with me on this, but um, I would say Descent is probably up there. Uh, Descent Legends of the Dark, um, uh, which, uh, yeah, I was really excited to play because I just like the whole idea of the basically GM-less like, playthrough that is, it, it's a very kind of like RPG experience, but like kind of, well, more of the combat, I will say, um, the aspect of that. Um, but yeah, just like being able to just set up the the app and then just being able to like run with it and not have to think is really nice. Um, and the design is beautiful. I really like 
just like the setup of it and like the fact that it's interactive as well like i <laughs> i know this is probably like the nerdiest thing but just like be able to set up the little assets of it and like make the little rooms and stuff like that and make the little set pieces that was half of fun for me <laughs> I really yeah it. it is super like as that stuff comes together i think it is like it's more than the sum of its parts in many ways because mm -hmm. if you take like just parts of it it's like oh it's a dungeon crawler oh it's kind of like this fancy world that's kind of mm -hmm. it's not super generic but it's relatively in those realms yeah. you know you've got like yeah your alpha likes you've got dragons da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. but when it all comes together like you say like as you're putting together these like 3d environments across multiple yeah. levels of stairs it's like oh wow this is like even the mm -hmm. setup is kind of fun yeah exactly like um like i mean i know uh we tried to we've tried to film a, a playthrough a few times uh but the the, the dicebreaker studio does not like this end but <laughs> <laughs> uh, eventually we'll get there but yeah like just like building it and like maybe having uh, I, I can't wait to play it again knowing that I will have the space to do so mm. because like <laughs> it just it builds out so quickly and then you have to kind of like catch up and stuff but um but yeah no it's it's really I really, really enjoyed that like those uh, those kind of games are such a nightmare to film as well because you don't know yeah. where to start because you've mm -hmm. got when you first yeah. look at it you've just got like this big blank table which looks awful and then as you build it out, it starts building off camera. So you start having to like shift yeah. things around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's that's exactly what happened. Was it me and you, Matt, when we tried to give it a go? I think yeah. so, yeah. And we had to do what, uh, when I was reviewing it, what I had to do then as well, which is like kind of shift things and be like, okay, this is connected here, but yeah. you can't build off of the table. So just pretend, you know, and then you're like trying to keep this like mental map of, where mm -hmm. connects to where because you can't do it exactly as it shows mm -hmm. on the unless you have a perfectly square table that mm -hmm. lines up with their uh, arrangement on the screen yeah yeah i know exactly um i i also enjoy because I, I mentioned the gm thing like <laughs> oftentimes when there is a gm you feel like they might be picking on you or something when they like attack your character but it's literally the game's like, oh, is that one closer? Well, whoever is closest gets attacked. And it's like, okay, cool. I have no one to be mad at. That's great. That's on me. Shouldn't have got close. Um, <laughs> um, and um, yeah, they'll have like a preferred character to attack, but it's literally just the system saying it. So it's like, this is chums. Nice. Mostly. Um, but um, but yeah, like, yeah, no, I, I would say that's up there for me. Descent, I think it was really good. Um, to kind of piggyback on the whole, like, I didn't, I didn't come out this year, but I played it this year. Um, me and Chloe have been getting super into Last Bastion, mm -hmm. um, which is, this, which came out in maybe 2019. We, which is a, a reimagining of a game which is even older. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, reimagining of stories. Yeah, um, which I kind of really went into because of the our difficult punishing board games uh, list that is on the channel right now. Um, and it is, it's, uh, oh God, it's so bad. Matt, just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a lot. I didn't think it would be that difficult, but it really is. Um, we, so the, the, the goal of the game is to defeat a bunch of different monsters, uh, before you get to like the warlord monster. And that one is like really big and tough and you have to, yeah, just, it's, it's really tough to beat. Um, <laughs> we've, we've gotten a glimpse of the warlord monster once. <laughs> <laughs> when it just kind of like um yeah you have like a deck of of the cards and you have to get through like like uh, like 40 different monsters before you get to the warlord um and the only way we managed to do that is because we realized that 
playing with two people is not conducive to winning. So we had to play two characters each in order to like manage to kind of like um, get to that point. Um, but yeah, and we didn't even beat it then. And like, it'll be, it's one of those games where like you'll be playing and there's so many like different rules to keep track of, but it'll be like, oh, oh no, we've lost. If you look at that, that means that we've lost because there are three things here and blah, blah, blah. We're like, oh, okay, let's start again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've had that a lot of times where you're just yeah. like, you're spending like 10 minutes trying to work out, oh, like, no, if we do this, we can just, mm -hmm. oh, oh no, we didn't do that. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't put the bins out. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Like it'll, it's one of those games as well where you're just like, well, I know that in the next turn we're dead. So do we stop here or do we just, see it through and <laughs> let it happen um but yeah no that one was pretty good and my game of the year just to throw it in there is unfathomable uh which we played on the channel the other day mm -hmm. um you can see that live stream on the channel now um but yeah it's basically um kind of another well it was based on Battlestar Galactica which was a game a few years ago I don't know it's old yeah quite it's old, old yeah. 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 <laughs> uh reimagining of that I love reimaginings I love it it's yeah. Everything um, is new again. It's just Hollywood, yeah. but board games. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when things are derivative. Um, <laughs> um, well, the the difference, the fundamental difference here is that trying to get a copy of Battlestar Galactica, the mm. board game, yeah, no, hundred percent, yeah, is like yeah, trying to find a needle in a haystack. So mm. them reinventing it as this, unless you're really attached to the theme. Like, this is just another yeah. way for you to get your hands on mm -hmm. that game. So I think yeah. it's reimaginings in the board game space, I think, unless they're really yeah, bad, no, mm -hmm. are perfectly viable. <laughs> Live! Yes. Tell us about Unfathomable. Well, mind if I do, I'll keep it brief because I'm going to be explaining it more um, coherently when I actually write it up. Um, but uh, yeah, so basically, um, it's like, if you've played like Elvish Horror or anything, it takes, it's Five Fantasy Fly, it takes place in like the um, the Cthulhu space. Um, the Arkham Files. Horror, Arkham yeah, Horror that, Files. Arkham yeah. Horror Files, yes. That, As we all know. In this case, you know, whatever. Matt um, <laughs> and I know. Because <laughs> yeah. we have to write it all yeah. the time. <laughs> um, takes place in that world. And basically, it's like, a, a, like if you play, uh, I play Eldritch Horror a lot, and there's like, um, if you like face Cthulhu, you have a bunch of deep ones crawling about and um, doing all sorts of the nonsense in the sea. It's basically like a zoom in on like one of those little like missions that you have to take care of and get rid of the deep ones because they're crawling aboard the ship. You have Mother Hydra, Father Dagon. <laughs> Not Daddy Dragon. Daddy Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, whichever you like. Oh, uh, uh, and yeah, so basically you have to... Um, Ensure that they do not sink the ship and damage it to put beyond repair before you get to is it Boston? You get you before you oh, get. Oh, I, I don't land. know. Actually, yeah, we we were somewhere. just traveling. We were just yeah. like, good lord, I <laughs> hope we I hope we end up somewhere. <laughs> yeah, um, basically before you get to the land. Um, but yeah, so it's like a there's a bunch of like um, like mechanics where you have to do skill checks in order to like. Um, um, not face dire consequences mostly it doesn't really help you it just kind of gets you through um the day um and you have like <laughs> you have like um like aspects that are magical like you have the keeper of the tome who will have to try and like cast uh, spells in order to banish the, the the deep ones from the deck which really helps out and also one of the main mechanics of the game is that there is a hidden role mechanic so basically there is 
No, well, maybe from the start, but at least from halfway through, there is going to be a, um, a traitor who might be trying to goof you up. Um, yeah, so like halfway through the game, you there's the awakening phase, and then somebody is going to be a traitor from that point on, which is kind of rough on the traitor, I'm thinking. Mm. Yeah, but... Um, yeah, it was tough. Which, yeah. I think it's tough when you're the only traitor, mm. and it's gotten, by the time that we did get to the point where I became a traitor. Yeah. We we kind of got into the rhythm. <laughs> we kind of got into the rhythms enough of the game that it it was it was a lot if if we were in a more dire situation mm-hmm. then I think it would have been a bit easier to push us towards yeah. the you know or you know towards mm-hmm. the the heroes losing. I do. And there there was like a fundamental turn. Yeah. Where if I had had the right hand of cards, yeah. Yeah. I could have potentially just won the game right there and then. Mm-hmm. But because I did not, uh it, it kind of uh meant I couldn't do that. Yeah, but, I do um, I do think there's like a it's it's almost like a reimagining of what you see in Dead of Winter where it's like Mm. There could be a traitor, but you don't mm. know. Yeah. Because one thing that I said before we started setting up for the session, because that was the first time me and Mina played it, um, mm. was that the thing I hate the most about that mechanic is the fact that it's so like anticlimactic when there isn't one. Because you're just like, mm-hmm. well, nothing's yeah. gone wrong for the past four I mean, turns, so I'm guessing we're the, fine. You know, like the way that I play Dead of Winter is I always put a traitor in. Yeah, because oh, it's okay. just Same. fundamentally a better game 100%. with a traitor. Yeah. Like Dead of Winter slaps, but <laughs> yeah. it really slaps when you've got a traitor in it because yeah. that game is it's similar to like Unfathomable, mm-hmm. that feeling of Unfathomable Live, isn't it? Where it's like mm-hmm. we're up against it, yeah, and having like, a traitor only tough. makes it, yeah. But yeah. but our, the Arkham Horror file games are so good at that, mm. and it mm. I, I the thing is I don't know much about Battlestar Galactica. Mm. I know Edward James almost is in it. <laughs> and yeah. I think a woman from it was in Mass Effect 2. Was she Miranda? I know it, get, I know it gets referenced in The Office. <laughs> yeah. That um, is my extent of knowledge of that battle against Star Galactica, which I'm sure so there are like, people absolutely seething about, but that's fine. The theme didn't do much for me with the game itself, like mm-hmm. when I played it, but the, the actual the way the game works is really good. And I think putting it with this Arkham Horror theme only helps it because Arkham Horror file games really thrive when the gameplay mechanics work with the theme of, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) That is such a good descriptor. Um, uh, Yeah, before uh, we uh, jump into what you have to say, Matt, um, I also love that because obviously hidden world games are very cutthroat and you know somebody might walk away from the game feeling a bit bummed out with this one at the very least it makes it so every you aren't really allowed to accuse people of being the traitor and everyone has like a really a a good ample time to like look at their cards so nobody can be like caught out and like it does everything it can to make sure that the traitor is not going to be persecuted outright i don't know so yeah, that, that I really enjoyed. There were some yeah. nice considerations, like the mm-hmm. I think the one you're referencing there is the human mm-hmm. or traitor card at the start, right? Where it's like because yeah. the human card is just like you're a human, so like mm-hmm. you could just be like, all right, cool, red, and then everyone knows that you know. But if you're brand new to the game and you've got this big log of text because you're the traitor, then yeah. it kind of stands out. So they like mm-hmm. they sort of mechanicalize the 
uh, or mechanize, I guess is the word. Yeah. Uh, like making yeah. sure that you're all looking at it at the exact same amount of time, like giving you as much of a chance as possible, basically. I do think the game designed to be played with with more players. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it works really, I imagine it would work really well with that. And also I did, I do think there are lots of opportunities, regardless of when you become the traitor, to try and mess things up. Yeah. So I think yeah. it is balanced well. And we didn't we didn't do the reveal thing as well. You can reveal yourself for extra power and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So yeah. Yeah, you can you can as an action you can reveal as a traitor. So that's fun. Yeah. And then you can just straight up go ahead and fight people, which is fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess that undoes that typical thing as well, where it's like in a lot of social deduction games or hidden role games, once someone kind of gives up the ghost, it's like, oh, okay, well now we just need to get through the rest of this. Yeah. But mm-hmm. when there's a genuine benefit to that happening, and it doesn't just mean like, oh, well, we've still got six more rounds, but we kind of yeah. know. It gives you an extra is. chance after after people have worked it out, because then you can be like, all right, yeah. well, look, everyone yeah. knows, so I'm not going to get <laughs> not going to get here for espionage, so I might as well just get a shotgun out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. let's and, uh, go. Yeah. The worst they can do is just like throw you in the brig, and you can break out of that brig. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. So, Matt Jarvis, yeah. nice. Matt yes, Jarvis. to round us off. Uh, yeah, I mean, like like Liv mentioned, I really enjoyed Descent Legends of the Dark. Uh, it got very hard towards the end, which kind of like, I don't know if it was just our particular playthrough. I wrote up a full review of it. Um, there were some elements of the app that I think are, at least when I played, I was playing quite early, were not entirely like finished and some things broke a little bit. And I don't know whether that affected our playthrough. Um, but we were fine until kind of like three quarters of the way through. And then suddenly the difficulty spike meant that we lost like half a dozen or a dozen games <laughs> in a row. Uh, which was a bit of a kind of flat note to end on that game. But otherwise, I think, like, everything you said, Liv, like, mm-hmm. I agree with. Like, I really like that world. I love the way it looks. I think just the the experience of setting up this big 3D level and then having the companion app kind of deliver these story bits and kind of dynamic events is really, really good, um, which I didn't expect because I've never really cared much about the Descent world of mm. Terranoth before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it got me to actually invest in those characters and care about what was happening. So Essentially... Yeah. Even though we only played a preview build of it, Wills, I feel like this is what the Divinity board game should have should have been. Yeah. I mean, we didn't play the full version of that. Yeah. But like, hearing what Descent does, I just feel like Descent the kind of game that I'd want to play if I wanted a board game version of Divinity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Um, but it wasn't my game of the year because my game of the year was Oath. Uh, Chronicles of Empire and Exile, uh, which means once again, Cole Worley has done it because Root is maybe my favorite game of all time. Uh, it's Pax the best Lamir game of the It's right up there. And Bloody hell. Oath, I think, really follows on from that. Oath is, I think, just like one of those games that I just think about all the time. Like, I played it a lot for the review. I was just playing it, like, every night, like, a couple of games. Like, I played it with just me and my wife. I played it in bigger groups. Um, and I never grew tired of it. And I always just wanted to see what was going to happen next in the kind of world that we'd created for our decisions. And I think it is a fascinating, like, I think it is genuinely unlike another game I have played in the way that it it has, like, slight elements of, like, legacy games like Pandemic Legacy but it just keeps rolling forever. Like there's no stop point. The world just keeps turning and evolving. And depending on who wins and how they win, that changes the next game. But it can also change games like multiple sessions down the line because you can banish, like if someone wins and uh, sorry, if someone starts as the um, the chancellor or and they lose and then they have um, 
like advisors with them you have the potential to banish them out of the kingdom for generations like they go to a separate deck and they won't necessarily come back up again for a long time so it's just like this really fascinating sandbox of like ticking gears that makes the world come alive and i think like it looks incredible because carl ferrin's on the art again like it's fun to play it's not as complex i think as Root, like there's, there's a lot yeah. to think about, but actually, there's a lot to take on to start with. Yeah, but, but the turn to turn stuff is like relatively straightforward. It's more like how each card interacts and how you combine everything in front of you because every time it's a different combination of um, denizens and locations and advisors. And yeah, I think it's just like a really fascinating game. Um, but I've said much about it before now, and I you can go and watch. Like, read my review, watch my review, like, read my Game of the Year piece if you want to know more about that. Um, I also played Avatar Legends, which Mia mentioned earlier. I think it's a really, really great RPG. Like, Chase has been running our campaign outside of work, and, yeah, it's been incredible. Um, yeah, I think it is, like, Powered by the Apocalypse is probably my favorite RPG system anyway, but I think, like you said, Mia, like, having that layer of Avatar, which is, like, a very familiar universe, but also, I think, just, like, the original creators of the, like, TV series did such a good job at, like, giving that world just so much potential for storytelling. Um, it applies really well to an RPG. Um, things that I wasn't so impressed with, Kingdom Now Origins is fine. Like, I still think it's a good game, but given how much I love Queen Domino, um, and, you know, King Domino's fine also, but I think Queen Domino is, like, the high point of that series. It's, like, improved on the formula, and then King Domino Origins kind of just, like, feels a little bit like Jumping the Shark, um, which in this case would be like a prehistoric shark because it's set during the Stone Ages. Uh, Stone For some Age. reason, yeah, jumping um, a shark that would appear in a jumping a megalodon. Yeah, <laughs> and it's fine, but it feels like it just tries to add too much to the mixture. Like I think the part of the reason King and Queen Domino are so good are because they have like a really strong core loop of you're putting down dominoes, but it's a bit like Harkison because you're also building your kingdom and trying to make regions of the same connected squares. And King Domino Origins has some cool stuff in the way that volcanoes erupt and you can place fire, which gives you extra points in this case. But then it just feels like, okay, you've got that, which is cool, but then you've got the marketplace of, um, I can't remember what they call Ideas. them, but cave, like. cave people, yeah, like yeah. cave people that score in different ways. And that feels a bit like a worse version of Queen Domino's buildings. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you've got like the resources, which are fine, but they're a little bit fiddly and like... I just don't think it I don't think it's like a huge step backwards, but I think it's one of those things where I would never tell someone to play that over Queen Domino. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. So and yeah, I think also uh RPG wise, Mouse Ritter, I think I played this mm. year, it came out a couple of years ago. Um, but I absolutely love the way it looks. Um Isaac Williams, I think, is the creator, like both designer and illustrator. Like it just looks gorgeous, it plays really well. It's like an old like old school RPG, but has this really like tight central gameplay where it's like uh, you don't have a lot of stats to manage. You have this really impressive inventory system where you just put literal like items take up squares. So it's almost like the Resident Evil 4, um, like attache case management, but fun. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, I really like Mouse Ritter. Uh, I really like the world. The world is familiar. It's like it's basically Red Wall. It's basically, you know, uh, mice and mystics it's mice little mice on a big adventure kind of thing yeah. but it applies it to like this really this good summer. old school <laughs> rpg experience 
um and it just looks amazing so mm. i love mouse rotor um mm. yeah uh and that's that's mine you know basically oath just let me talk about oath some more uh, but <laughs> there's plenty of me talking about oath whether it's yeah. here you know like i said review game of the year piece over on Eurogamer. i also wrote about it so you can find plenty of me chatting about oath so i, I feel, I feel like I've, I've misunderstood the assignment here because i haven't spoken about heart at all but heart is it's, fantastic. yeah, uh, yeah. it's uh, one of my favorite things about it is the way that it um encourages players to take more charge of what happens during the session with the uh with the way in which it does your sort of like personal objectives and your group objectives for the sesh. Uh, I love the world. I love the art style. I love the hex crawl elements. Like it, it's, it's a beautiful game. It's a very well written game. And most importantly, the character classes are just some of the most mm-hmm. thematic and incredible things I've ever seen. I like, can't wait to play more of it. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, that's that's pretty much that all we have time is, for yeah, today because we for. we've got an absolutely crammed week getting all of our end of the year content ready for you before we all leave. Uh, I will be in next week, but this is everyone else's last week in the office mm-hmm. as we're recording this uh, before we head into to, to the holiday season. So thank you very much for watching, everyone. This special Game of the Year edition of the Dicebreaker podcast. Uh, if you want to learn more about our actual games of the year, then you can head on over to the list video that is here on YouTube and find the articles on Dicebreaker.com. Um, if you want to learn more about the Dicebreaker podcast itself, we've got about 89 episodes or something now. So uh, <laughs> feel free to go back and listen to those over the Christmas break. But we'll be back next year with some more episodes, of course. Uh, but until then, have a wonderful holiday, whatever you're celebrating. Have a fantastic end of the year. We will see you in 2022. <gasps> but until then, have a lovely day. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.